Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Welcome to Jazz Shapers, where the shapers of business join the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. My guests today are Alex and Jonathan, or JP Petridis, co-founders of All Plants, the vegan meal delivery company. After Alex and JP switched to a vegan diet in 2015, they started a vegan supper club for their friends. The food was reportedly so popular they were soon sending guests home with the leftovers in foil trays. All plants followed shortly after, with Alex leaving his role at Propercorn, previous guest on the programme Cassandra, after helping build it from the ground up as one of their first employees. The brothers wanted to challenge the image of veganism and empower themselves and others to counter the impact of animal agriculture on the environment. All plants has stated its intention to build a business that benefits people and the planet as a whole. Now... Evidently, you get on because they're both smiling, by the way, um, <laughs> and they, they, seem, they seem to like each other quite a lot and talk and things. Uh, tell me a little bit about why you set this business up, and I'll, and I'll start with you, Alex, because mm. I know, funnily enough, I've interviewed Cassandra at Propercorn, where you were working for a number of years, but then this happened. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I was at Propercorn right at the beginning. Uh, Cassandra obviously had come up with the idea you know, a few years before and had been working with her business partner, Ryan to really get that off the ground. And I joined fresh out of uni as their third wheel, I'd say. Uh, and, and was doing everything from kind of catching any popcorn packs they fell, taking notes. And my, my kind of most famed moment, which was, uh, was a regret of mine, was wheeling a large suitcase full of popcorn around all of London, stumbling into cafes and trying to get them to uh, start stocking this new thing with popcorn in crystal packaging, and no one knew or cared. Um, <laughs> but, you know, after five years and a lot of excitement, success and fun, I felt that it was time for a change. And just a year before that, my brother and I had both changed our diets really independently of one another and had gone on this kind of plant-based journey towards what we do now which is eating nothing but plants that was about three years ago no yeah just over yeah yeah yeah. yeah. literally three years ago now yeah. and, and and we both sort of realized well why are you doing it why are you doing it and mm. it turns out you know there's both of us the way in was very much uh, an interest in the environmental aspects of of a plant-based diet so it's the, it's the single biggest thing you can do to reduce your environmental footprint but then as we tumbled down that rabbit hole and realized how diverse and delicious it can be we we kind of learned about the health aspect and then started to think about the ethical angle as well and got very attracted to the idea that this isn't just a temporary phase or trend for ourselves and actually it could have a huge impact on both people and planet if we try to use our entrepreneurial skills or you know bits that we learned along the way to channel that into something that can be you know very approachable relatable and that you know we started off the supper clubs and now we we have a restaurant for the nation so we have as you were saying a team of chefs we produce lots and lots of uh, delicious meals and we deliver them prepared frozen to your door now, what's interesting is about you, Alex, you, you went almost straight out of university, borrowed a small thing, I believe you did, into a, into a startup. Mm. I mean, not much time in between. So, and then you've got another one. Uh, and and uh, John, JP, you've also 
been very entrepreneurial. And I know you've worked, I think, in McKinsey as well. You've done a bunch of consultancy. What is in your family blood, if there is anything, that it says, <laughs> you know what, we're going to go and get our four A's from school. We're going to go and get a first-class degree at university, which you both did, I believe. He did, I don't. Oh, you only, well, we can, one we of you. just cut that well, out. We'll just have a fight. Yeah. We won't cut that out. We've got to keep it now. It's good. <laughs> I mean, good. The competitive spirit's coming through. What is it? I was um, head, head boy and he wasn't. Oh, there you that's, go. Good. Uh, oh, yeah. oh this is so good. It's like they're <laughs> 11 years old and nine years old again. It's yeah. exactly yeah. the same. Things don't move on. Welcome to our days. I'm the same with my sister. Um, it, what was it in the family blood, do you think, that's got you to the point where you're both running a business, albeit the same one? First of all, the reality of being willing to run off the edge of a cliff without a clue what you're doing requires a really healthy dose of uh, risk appetite and belief in the need to solve the problem that you, you're going to go throw yourself at. And I think for us, it's funny because it actually goes back to our grandfather in Cyprus who uh, started off life as a shepherd at the age of nine when he left school uh, to support his five sisters um, and then gradually worked his way up to uh, being a lorry driver and then owning a fleet of lorries and then eventually becoming a farmer and becoming the largest grower of mushrooms and, and then potatoes uh, across the whole of the Mediterranean. So he's someone who we've always both, I think, looked up to a lot and respected the impact he had on his community. So I think that combined with, we're just very lucky to have been gifted with uh, a great education, as you said, which a lot of us have, but but a, a real desire to then go and do something with that. Um, and I think, I think alongside, you've got, got that grandfather on one end who was an inspiration from a young age. And, you know, in Cyprus, there was a war in 74 and lost it all, but then started again and really built from scratch and again and we had our grandfather on the other side who was a very community driven person when my mum was growing up they used to live in a, a juvenile delinquent house is that the right word so they'd have young offenders living in their house and he then became a, a man of the church and I guess with him his question was always around how will you serve and compassion and so with both of those role models, mm. uh, and then, you know, our dad also running his own business, albeit less risky, it's a in, uh, service industry, it's accountancy, but it showed us that, you know, you can do your own thing, mm. even if it is a big risk. But actually what's most important is how will you benefit others and, and how will you find a way with your working life, which can be a very safe way, but find a way with your working life to really have an impact on happiness and, and, and the thriving nature of the world, I guess. Profit and purpose, not bad, eh? And I guess, JP, you had a similar, obviously, same family impact. Your journey's slightly different. You've, you've done a number of startups, actually, it looks like. Tell me a little bit about how you got into those. Did you start with the consultancy and then move into that? Because often I meet people that were at Bain or... Well, we yeah, I mean, well, we actually had the same school upbringing. And I think uh, the, the natural path uh, for people from Habs is that you must go into professional services world, uh, or at least onto some kind of grad scheme. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I tried my best to I'm escape that. I'm a cliche, that. it's true. We, we all are. Um, I tried my best to escape that. And I, I kind of said no to all the classic accounting, lawyer and banking things, having tried them as interns here and there. Um, but then I, I, yeah, I stumbled into McKinsey world, which actually I, I really loved it. Uh, and the first couple of years of my career was uh, somewhat excruciating learning curve. Um, but I also very quickly realized that I wanted to stop advising and start doing or at least trying out the whole doing side of business. And the other thing I realized was that I'd been given such a platform of learning and opportunity that I could basically go and try and solve the biggest problem I could find with pretty much no risk. So it was at the you know at the time working in telecoms a lot 
Uh, and the biggest opportunity at the time, this is back in 2007 and 8, was uh, really obvious in Africa, Latin America and South Asia. Everybody had a mobile phone. Nobody had a bank account, pretty much. And so there was this opportunity to say, well, hang on a sec. Can we use mobile technology to bring new levels of inclusion uh, and new uh, availability of saving and credit uh, for people who are living on a few dollars a day? And how would that transform people's lives? And so uh, having never set foot in Africa, I uh, decided to jet myself out to Kenya, which was probably the best place to go by somewhat luck because there was already a bunch of mobile payments networks existing. And then, you know, ended up there unexpectedly for a good five plus years building, first of all, what became Mshwari. Uh, which, and living, you were living in Kenya as well. Living in time. Nairobi, which, by the way, is a brilliant and really fun place to yeah. both work and live. And Kenya's just an amazing country to explore. Uh, so it's very, I, and I didn't know that. I didn't pick it for that reason. I picked it purely because it looked like the best place to go and create a solution to this problem. So yeah, that was that was interesting. Starting a bank from scratch at the age of 24, 25 in Africa was, I don't really know on reflection why anyone I knew, including my parents, let me go do that. As we're on Jazz FM, it's worth noting that because he wasn't sure how lonely he'd be he took his saxophone with him <laughs> did you really <laughs> and it was it was a backpack you and a saxophone oh, that was all he had thanks for that <laughs> yeah and, and obviously are you quite good at the sax <sighs> so bad. i used get it out get I, the sax I, out. should i get it out okay no so I used, <laughs> luckily he hasn't brought it it's all right <laughs> yeah you are, you are lucky because it would only be squeaks and uh it's very uh, assumptive on me i mean you may be brilliant no no I no, no uh no i i it, I had played it a lot uh, as a kid and then, you know, had a hiatus, as we often all do. Mm. And I just thought, you know what, if, I, if I'm going to this country, I don't know anybody. I'm going to be working my socks off. And I had this romantic notion of going to the roof in the evenings and serenading myself, basically, and relearning the saxophone. Needed to say that uh, six months in, the sax hadn't been... I think I got it out once. And then I sheepishly brought it back with me to London when I visited <laughs> for Christmas. And everyone laughed at me. So, yeah. <laughs> Stay with me for more from my guests, Alex and JP Petridis. Um, they'll be back in a couple of minutes. But first, we're going to hear from one of our partners at Mishkondorea for some advice for your business. My name's Jonathan Berman. I'm a partner in the corporate department at Mishkondorea. We spent a lot of time in our department dealing with people who are establishing new joint ventures. When we look at these relationships, they are much, much more likely to succeed if the participants have been through a process before they actually start working together. And it's the process rather than the documentation that's critical. And what they do is to address issues that they would generally feel uncomfortable with, about discussing with one another. The rationale is they want to get on with it and they've got a good feeling about working together. And by asking difficult questions, it in their mind could endanger that good feeling. But that's the wrong way of going about it. And I'll give you a couple of examples of the types of things they should be thinking about. The first is, are we looking to maintain this business as a going concern under our ownership for the foreseeable future? Or are we establishing it with a view to building it up over three years and selling it? 
if one's got one view, one's got the other, it leads to huge disagreement and it's one of the biggest reasons for businesses failing. The second is, what's the business intended to do? What is our vision? Is our vision joint? Do we go into the UK or are we looking to expand into Germany? Are we going into America? Are we focusing on one business product or service or are we expecting to expand beyond that? Again, having a business plan and sitting there and considering exactly how the business is intended to grow over the next few years is vital. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. There are many ways for you to hear all the former Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM and indeed to hear this programme again. You can ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers and there you can hear many of the recent programmes or if you pop Jazz Shapers into your favourite podcast platform, you can enjoy the full archive. Today, right here, right now though, I've got two brothers, Alex and JP Petridis and they are co-founders of All Plants. They're the vegan meal delivery business if you haven't heard of them. And if you're a vegan and it's a burgeoning uh, thing to be, if you're a vegan then um, you may well have heard of them and I haven't tasted them yet, which is a big mission on the part of my, my guests, but they're going to sort that out um, afterwards. <laughs> Tell me about those first few months as you set up this business. Um, everyone I talk to always says the most important thing is the team that you build. Tell me a little bit about how you found those people and what it took to bring them into a startup. At the beginning, it was very much my brother running full tilt and my, I was trying to assist and help as much as possible because I cared about what we were doing, uh, but I was still at Propercorn. And we found Ellie, who is now you know an absolute dream uh, and she's been in our team since day one she was kind of fresh out of uni and in a similar position to where I was when I left and I joined Propercorn and over the last two years we've then looked at how we can really build the team around lots of other roles and, and right now we've we've actually just gone through a round of, of fundraising. Well, one of the amazing things we found is that you know because and, and it's not just that we're uh, focused on a, a really big mission of trying to inspire the next billion plant-powered people but also you know, what we're putting out in the world is a whole new way to uh, live much healthier without much effort uh, and, a, and, a, and a new way to think about this movement. And so we're actually finding that it's quite a magnetic <laughs> brand and uh, community that we're building, both for our customers and our uh, commun- uh, community of uh, subscribers, but also for, for people who want to join the team and become part of it and come and throw their experience, whether that's as a chef or as a, an operator, as a designer or developer or mm. Um, we actually got our first official financial expert who's uh, trained and qualified as an accountant joining on Monday, which we can't wait for. <laughs> um, but, you know, so that, as we go, because we actually uh, we're not just a, a website, we're not just a, uh, a food brand who appears in supermarkets. We do everything ourselves. We cook every meal by hand. Uh, we ship every box to every customer's doorsteps. And then, of course, we're, you know, building a website. So there's there's a lot. A lot of, of bits. Uh, yeah, there's a uh, lot of different and, teams. And your, your uh, funders that I'm aware of, um, both have been on the programme, Frederick Court at Felix Capital and Chris and Simon from the, the founders of Octopus, Octopus Ventures. Yeah. Right. What did they buy? Did they buy you? Did they buy the vision? Did they buy both? Well, so um, one of the biggest things we did before bringing in external uh, investment, and we're really excited to be able to, to bring people like that and many, many others as well to the, to the table, is we actually realised that we needed to adjust what All Plants was as a uh, company as well. So we actually... Uh, 
on the day that we signed the dotted line with Octopus, we finally signed the B Corp charter um, and, and, and making sure that every investor who comes to the table with all plants understands that we do not solely have a profit motive as an organization and that actually we put environment and society alongside that and really prioritize that is, is, is absolutely fundamental. So just they, give me the elevator pitch on B Corp. Just tell them because pe- some people listening won't, might not know what it is. B Corp uh, was founded around 10 years ago, started in America, hence the very American name. Uh, And it's a new model for business in the 21st century. Uh, The the point is it's business with purpose. My belief around B Corp is that if we could flip every company in the world into operating like a B Corp, where um, you actually internalize all of the aspects of business that previously, for example, a factory just doesn't care about, you have effluence and waste and power usage and uh, the way that you treat your staff in the local community. No one cares about that. It's not costed in. If every organization was doing that, it could transform our world. Uh, And so we're a very small community of uh, companies. I think there's now around two or three hundred of us in the UK, Um, but growing fast. And, and, you know, we're, we're having impact, but we want the movement to grow. We want ideally everyone to become a B Corp. And it's, it's not just, you can't just sign up. You have to go through quite a rigorous process, uh, an audit essentially of your uh, commitment to the planet and to people and to just the way you trade as a business. So mm. there's... So uh, we produce, uh, we'll be producing and have done one now, an annual report which uh, typically uh, companies have that and it just has numbers about money in it. And we're saying, well, no, that's not what's most important. Let's put alongside that our impact on the environment and the service we've created for community and for people. Brilliant stuff. Everyone should join if they're in business or at least look at it because, as you said, if you've got to do things, then people have got to change what they're doing if they're going to be able to be part of it. Let's just talk about perception for a moment. I mean, we're in a, we're in a, a moment here where, you know, there are more and more vegans. I think I read a report in The Times that the number of vegans was 700,000 people in the UK or something, and you'll probably tell me it's more than that by now because that was a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but but there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of... Um, conversation about what that means and and when I was at university if you were a vegan you were usually quite a worthy person who kind of told everybody how you should behave Mm. versus now when I think it feels like people have come round a bit like the environment realizing stuff is just bad plastic plastic one use plastic not good do you have that conversation with people and if so how do you handle it because you're right in the thick of it I mean you've gone for something which is very 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 trendy is is a word I would use yeah Um, and we didn't know that, that was going to happen, obviously, when we changed our own diets. But we thought that it was it was an important thing uh, for ourselves and for the planet. But the the interesting thing about uh, kind of getting hung hung up on the the V word is that realistically, our customer isn't vegan. Um, yeah. And actually, I think you were saying earlier, you're actively reducing your meat, and that's happening for you know around 40% of the UK they're actively changing their diet because I don't know just doesn't feel as good to be honest with you eating meat every day not that I have done that yeah. for years it makes you feel heavy seems like it stays in your stomach for months which I think it does right mm. in your gut yeah. and when you eat plant based stuff it feels lighter I'm sounding like I'm an advert for all light, plants I'm not colourful. being an advert for all plants I'm just saying my own yeah. experience yeah. but that's what happens and also we're, we're, we're getting access to such a diverse range of colours cuisines uh, and, and just different ways to shape your plate so it's no longer about meat to veg and a carb um, and that's quite exciting as well mm. people like the excitement of their plate in that sense yeah it's definitely changing the perception around it is definitely changing and yeah, it's what more does that curiosity mean? Yeah. these days as opposed to uh, defensive 
conversation, uh, which is definitely how it felt in mm -hmm. the beginning. When you first decide to try it out, everyone's like, what on earth has happened to that guy? To those normal brothers. What are they, what, what what, they what's doing? going on? Yeah. And, so and you get, they, you get, they saw that we weren't wearing like socks and sandals. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. But also you're both quite well built. I know it sounds ridiculous. There's another fallacy, which is that you say, if you don't eat, if you eat plants, you're not going to be strong. I suppose you have to work and ensure that you've got a really balanced diet. And I seriously, I, I, I train with someone who is a vegan and they, right. they have to think about it because you have to stock up because it's a different thing. But it's just being thoughtful about your food, right? But I think that applies to anybody who is interested in generally being healthy. Yeah. Uh, I before before trying out, and I and I by the way, I did it as a one week experiment because I felt like I was curious about the uh, way in which removing animal agriculture from my own diet could impact the world. But I was like, there's no way I can do it. It's too hard. So I tried it for a week and found it was really delicious, loved it. And actually the whole health thing, I think Alex and I, about six months later, were like, hang on a sec, my genes are massive. <laughs> what on earth's going on? And so, yeah. and what I found is that actually you, you trim down naturally without realizing, I didn't even think I was carrying loads of extra weight. Yeah. And you just end up at a new norm, which was actually quite nice without, without even intending it. Stay with me for a final chat with the brothers, that's Alex and JP Petridis. Plus we'll be playing a track from the one and only Van Morrison. That's coming up in just a moment. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea it's business but it's personal well it's a marvellous night for a moon dance with the stars up above in your eyes a fantabulous night to make romance neath the cover of October skies the one and only sound of the inimitable Van Morrison with Moondance. I have Alex and JP with me, the founders, co-founders of All Plants. Just for a few more minutes, we've been talking about all sorts of stuff. And I, I love the fact that your family has come from that community-based view of the world and, and obviously a more business-based view of the world. I want to talk about the money for a moment because we haven't really talked about that, what the optics are for you. Obviously, you're in business to make money. You're obviously in business also to transform the world. Is there a mega plan where you say, well, when this is a turnover of X, then we're out of there? Or is it a, is this for life? First of all, yeah, really good question. I don't uh, think Alex and I at all see the pursuit of and the way that we invest our time as the pursuit of money at all. Um, I think we're very lucky to be able to use business, in inverted commas, as a vehicle to try and create impact. Um, and the way that we think of profit is effectively, it's, it's basically something that uh, refills the engine uh, with, with gas to keep you going on the journey towards the, the world we're trying to create. You know, when we look ahead a couple of decades, we really believe in wanting to see a more plant-powered, if not fully plant-powered world. And in order to get there, we need a lot of organizations and groups, people like us and many others, coming together and trying to solve problems. And for us, the problem we're trying to solve is that uh, we, we truly believe that if we can just get everybody to have access to incredibly exciting and delicious plant-based food, wherever they are, then there'll be absolutely no barriers to that uh, mass adoption. And, so, and, and that's what we exist for. And, just, and, I, and I buy that. I absolutely do. But just to push one more bit, because a business needs to make money to transform the world, and I get that. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, but it, <laughs> but yeah, I know it's such a. But but the, but on the side of that, is there a sense that you you have a certain life that you want to lead materially? I mean, I'm going to put it like that. It's not that you. I'm sure you don't need 15 cars and, and and huge houses, but it must be quite nice to run your own business and to see that there's a profit coming, right? 
It would be nice. Yeah, yeah. it would be. Yeah. That would be lovely. When will you make some money? I mean, also, I, I, I remember having a conversation here with it was either Funding Circle, uh, James Minkins, one of the founders who's now gone public, or one of the others, talking about profit. And they said, that's a very UK view of the world, Elliot. We're a startup and we it takes time. And really, in the US, it wouldn't matter for 10 years or even in Amazon's case, Absolutely. 15. Is that yeah. the case for you too as well then? Yeah, we have to be realistic. I mean, you know, when you're trying to grow at the speed that we uh, would like to in order to galvanize the movement and change we want to see, you have to be thoughtful about not spending more than you've got, uh, as anyone does budgeting their home uh, and bills. But in reality, profit is something that may come in the future. And I guess uh, Al Al can answer for himself. But personally, um, the idea of getting to work on something that I'm truly deeply passionate about with people that I love spending time with is the best thing that I can ask for. And, you know, being able to support uh, my family, my needs, uh, I'm, you know, I hope that I'll be able to do that. But but this pursuit is, is kind of primary for me. Just to kind of build on that, for the past two, three years, we've been earning the lowest amount by a long way mm. in the business. Even though, you know, we have all, all sorts of different types of people, we... Well, actually, yeah. by lowest amount, what Alex means is a negative salary. Because <laughs> yeah. we've had to. But then and, how have and, you done it, actually? Because that's a serious point. Again, people mm. often say, well, if you've got no money, then it's really hard to start a business and, and you're funded now, obviously. But mm. how have you managed before you were funded? Or was, <sighs> there, was it almost instantaneous? There's been points where we've Super been scary. just like, you know, how, you know, how are we going to do this? But right at the beginning, we put our personal savings that we'd... Everything we've got. Just got together yeah. um, into getting started. We then raised... The kitchen. Building kitchens, you know, there's the early beginnings of a team, but we mm. had a lot of kind of freelance chefs and we're just trying to really make the food uh, on budget, on time and, and produce as many as we could. And then uh, last year we raised a small sum and that allowed us to kind of really grow to the point we are now. We, we've been pretty well organised with regards to trying to get funding mm. and we've approached growth of the business in terms of you know how can we uh, make sure that we're building the right learnings and dynamics into the model so that the funding makes sense yeah, so it's scalable in a way yeah. yeah it's been really lovely talking to you and the conversation about money brings us right back to your appetite for risk which was the first thing i think uh, jp you talked about you have got appetite for risk and that's pretty impressive and i think that will mark you out and we'll keep you going in those dark days that may cross your paths at some point. I hope oh, they thanks. don't because it's going to be... They well, always come. They you, come. You have to ride through They come, through but them. it looks like you're going you're gonna to keep on going through them. Just before I let you both go, um, what's your song choice? I assume you've chosen one. It's very yeah, clever. Yeah, yeah. And why have you both chosen it? How did you <laughs> that, agree? That was First a thing I was going to say. So we, we probably could have both chosen very different uh, things, but we chose to go with the Thelonious Monk uh, and Thelonious because one, we, were, we both love jazz, love music we were doing a big planning day and afterwards kind of settled down went to the pub and just randomly a, an old chap it was so probably random probably in his 80s a yeah. guy called Richard who I've got to know since uh, sat down with us and just went jazz <laughs> whoa <laughs> next word Thelonious whoa and then the whole conversation. He then literally told us about an hour long yeah. story about his life and how jazz has been with him the whole yeah. way through. And it was just incredible. And so for and us, it's definitely it's what we needed at that time because well, we just. You're going to invoke the spirit of Richard. Here he is. Yeah. Uh, it's Thelonious <laughs> by Thelonious Monk. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was Thelonious by Thelonious Monk, the song choice of my business shapers today, Alex Petrides and Jonathan Petrides, the brothers who are the founders of All Plants. They talked about an appetite for risk. You've got to have one of those if you're going to set your own business up. The notion of stopping advising and wanting to do their own thing and start doing. And this brilliant thought around solving a massive problem and the notion that it wasn't about the profit, it's about creating a positive impact on the community around you and the wider world. All brilliant stuff. That's it from Jazz Shapers. Have a fabulous weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or head over to mishkondorea.com forward slash jazz shapers.